Welcome to Becoming Referrable, the podcast that shows you how to become the kind of advisor people can't stop talking about. I'm Steve Wershing. On this episode, we talk with Brent Weiss, co-founder and chief evangelist for Facet Wealth. The firm was created, or the creation of the firm was stimulated by uh, venture capitalists from the tech world, and so they have interesting perspectives on, on technology's role in an advisory business. For example, where many advisors view technology as an expense, Weiss views technology as a way of lowering expenses, enabling them to serve smaller clients profitably. We discuss client acquisition efforts, and Brent describes a great way to help prospective uh, clients find the content that you might be creating. Brent articulates one question that every advisor should ask their clients, and that will form the basis of all of your referral efforts moving forward. And toward the end, we talk about Facet's most intriguing business development program, which is acquiring smaller clients from established advisors. We discuss how both firms benefit from that, but most importantly, how the clients benefit from it as well. It's an episode that's rich in questions you can ask yourself that will lead you to higher profits and tips you can use for a more successful business. So let's get to our conversation with Brent Weiss. Brent Weiss, welcome to the Becoming Referrable podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Steve, it's an absolute pleasure. I say Julie as well, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to the conversation today. So so let's start off with this intriguing little little thing. Your, your title is listed as Chief Evangelist. So what exactly is a, does a Chief Evangelist do? That's a big title. You have that a lot, a to, title. lot I know. to live up to. I'm, 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 I, I don't know if I could live up to Associate Evangelist. Chief Evangelist, <laughs> that's, that's a big I, I deal. Guess, I guess I was just looking to, for, for some way to have a, a Chief, a C in front of my name here, right? Is, uh. is, there, <laughs> is there a Chief Planning Officer? I mean, my background is as a financial planner. Uh, it, it's, it's the... The question I love to answer, because most people in the financial services space aren't familiar with what it is, it actually has its roots in in the technology field coming out of Silicon Valley in terms of being an evangelist for uh, new ideas and new technology. Uh, so as a chief evangelist, there, there's actually three things that, that I do. Number one is, and I'll break these down, number one is sort of the keeper of the cause. Uh, number two is the spreader of the word. If you think about what evangelism is, you're you're spreading some word, right? Spreading the good word. Uh, and the third thing is, I am a, a champion for financial empowerment. And so if, if I high level break those down, you know, keeper of the cause as a, as a co-founder, it's near and dear to my heart that I make sure that we're always staying true to our mission, vision and core values as an organization at Facet. Um, as a as a spreader of the word, my one of my primary roles is not only internal evangelism in terms of what we do, uh, but external evangelism in the industry in terms of who is Facet Wealth, what are we doing? What do we provide from a planning perspective? What is this fintech thing that we do? Uh, and then the final piece is just being a champion for financial empowerment. I, you know, prior to founding or being a co-founder of Facet, I ran a traditional wealth management firm, um, and I I'm just a firm believer in the amazing work that that competent, ethical, high quality advisors do every day for the families they represent. Uh, and I'm just a firm believer that everybody deserves access to this amazing thing called financial planning. Uh, so that's that's sort of chief evangelist in a nutshell, if you will. Oh, that's great, and 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 based on promoting financial planning, I think you know a lot more of our listeners ought to be evangelists about this too. I think that's a great way to describe that. I'd forgotten that that came out of tech. wasn't wasn't like Guy Kawasaki like the first person to be called an evangelist, or right. have it have a, a business card that said evangelist on it? I'll say, don't quote me on this, but but I believe that is the case. I mean, that, that's the name that comes up, and 
Um, yeah, the, yeah. The genesis of the idea for me is, you know, there, there was a, a period of time as we were growing rapidly as a firm and sort of I, I was the, the the roving or the roaming outfielder, right? Sort of, you know, in, in softball, right? There's like three position fielders and you have one that's like running around the field just helping everybody. And we were trying to figure out like, what what is this thing that I'm going to, like, where do I add real value as the organization scales? We hired a CTO, a so chief technology officer. And he said within three minutes, he goes, I know exactly what this is. And and, and the saying goes, chief evangelist is not, a, is not a job title, it's a way of life, right? So it's sort of this idea that yeah. you saw the passion that I bring to financial planning and my belief in financial empowerment. He goes, that's exactly what it is. And it, and it stuck about a year and a half or two years ago. Now it's on my cart and I would love so I guess if Guy Kawasaki listens to this, I would love to to do a virtual coffee or lunch uh, if you're out there. <laughs> Guy Kawasaki, if you're listening, we want yeah. you on the program. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, anyway, so, uh, but you are chief evangelist for Facet Wealth. And so um, you have an interesting, interesting business model. And uh, so can you tell us a little bit about what is Facet Wealth and, and, and what sets it apart? Yeah, absolutely. Well, as the evangelist, this is this is the one thing I love to do all day long. But before I go into sort of what we do, I always like to take a step back and talk about why we exist. Like, what's our what's our purpose as an organization? So, you know, we founded Facet a couple years back with the mission of making you know unconflicted, high quality financial planning more affordable and accessible uh, to everyday Americans. It's it's just our belief that that everybody deserves access to this amazing thing that we call financial planning, and for so long. It's been sort of a, a limited thing and available. There's been limited access uh, within this country. And so we, we want to change that along with other really amazing financial advisors out there. And so when you think about what we do to achieve that mission, you know, we are a, a, what I'll say is a human first planning first fintech firm. Right. And some people go, hmm, well, they scratch their head and go, what is that? And I'll, and I'll break it down. We are firm believers that the future of advice is human. Right. There is this I think I, I think it was about 10 years ago or a little more than that now that robo advisors came out and financial advisors started thinking, geez, how are they going to disrupt my my business? And what we realized is it didn't really disrupt our business as long as you were building really strong, solid personal relationships with your clients. And so we are firm believers that while technology will change the way we do business, it's not going to change the core of our business. So we start on the financial planning side. Every one of our, you know, every one of our clients gets high quality financial advice personalized through a dedicated CFP professional. Um, it is holistic financial life planning. Uh, the difference is we charge a, a flat fee. So it's just subscription based pricing for our clients and we do it all virtually. So via video conference, um, which has become a, a hot thing now in, in the last couple, last couple months. So that's on the planning side. And then we also have a, a FinTech financial technology division that's helping us build our own internal technology platform for uh, for financial planners with the idea of increasing efficiency and productivity with the goal of lowering cost, so thereby making it more accessible to families uh, out there. And and so you came from, uh, you mentioned this, a more sort of traditional financial planning firm and background. So can you talk to us about, you know, how, how you went from there to here? Yeah, the, the short version of the story is, you know, I spent about 10 years at a, and I got to say more traditional, but I, I say that now in relative to sort of a fintech hybrid firm, um, you know, coming out of college, it was, the, the, I stumbled upon this thing called the CFP curriculum and it was, it, it blew my mind. I'm thinking, holy cow, I can change the financial futures of individuals and families. Oh, and I can make a living doing it and got involved with a really amazing business based out of Baltimore learn the business from the ground up. And what I saw in my 10 years there is a couple of things. Number one is, is 
the power that we have as financial planners, I consider myself a, a financial architect, right? We're helping our clients build the financial house of their dreams. Um, so number one, I saw how amazing that was. But number two, I saw two things. There was just a lack of access in the industry, right? To families that really needed help the most potentially. But I didn't know how to solve that problem, right? And so I thought about this in my, my final five years. And then out of the blue, I got an email from a former coworker who had gone on and started a company in Baltimore, got involved in the entrepreneurial you know, environment and said, hey, there's a technology entrepreneur out of San Francisco that wants to talk to financial advisors. Would you be open to it? And um, there's a, a funny story here, but but to keep it short, the, I actually ignored it. It was like, what does a VC, like a venture capitalist want with little old Brent in Baltimore? I eventually took the meeting. Uh, and what I thought was going to be just 30 minutes of coffee. And he sat down and said, hey, you know, what if we could use technology to lower the cost of high quality financial advice so that more people in this country have access to it? And uh, there might have been an expletive or two in my response, but I just said, holy cow, that's an amazing thing. And that was the moment we realized that th there's a there there. That was the brainchild of Facet Wealth back in February of 2016. And that was uh, Anders Jones, who's now our, a co-founder and our CEO. And then he introduced me to uh, one of our other co-founders, Patrick McKenna, who's our executive chairman. And that was the beginning of this this amazing and crazy story we call Facet Wealth. And there, there are a few things that you've mentioned that obviously are quite different from, or, and some might even argue kind of go against the common wisdom of running, running a firm. Uh, one is that this model works more effectively, I believe, for smaller clients. So, so can you tell us a bit about how, you know, the specifics of that model and how you've made it work? Yeah, absolutely. I think that where I want to start is the whole premise was, not how do we give less for less, right? So if you charge less, most people think, well, you're gonna get what you pay for. The idea was how do you take that two or $5 million client experience and just make that more affordable and accessible to individuals that might have 100,000 or $200,000, which, which we typically call sort of smaller clients. And I, the way I think about it is, you know, they're, they're, they're still hardworking, caring, deserving individuals and families that just happen to have less sort of wealth as it's been traditionally defined. And so the, the interesting thing on the planning side is, you know, we don't like to think about it as giving less service. It is still a, a dedicated relationship with a CFP professional. It's just done via video conference. So we don't have a physical office location to go into. Uh, it is still comprehensive financial planning. We do have a different way of approaching it. It's more of a, it's more like iterative and agile versus the, the traditional uh, let's let's look at all 75 areas of your financial life and do it in, in you know 20 hours in the first couple of weeks. We break it into what we call best next steps to really make it actionable. I think the real difference here is, is how we're thinking about the technology side of it, Julie, just because when you think about how do you actually break down that cost? Because the challenge is under traditional wealth management model, you're going to charge based on assets. And if you do that, you think, OK, well, I, you know, I needed five hundred thousand, six hundred thousand dollars in an account to generate revenue to make it profitable based upon my service model. Well, that starts to break down when you work with families that have 200,000 or 100,000 or younger families that make good money, don't have assets to manage yet. You have to think, well, how do you change your business model? And so that's where we said, you know what? The, the future is subscription-based. The, the Wayne Gretzky quote, skate to where the puck is going, not where it is. The, the future of this industry, I believe, is more flat fee subscription-based models. So that's one way we're different, creating greater access, lowering that cost. 
And then the technology is a an internal proprietary platform. I like to call it a, a financial planning engine, not a financial planning sort of outcome producer, because it, it focuses on increasing the efficiency and productivity of our financial planners so they can spend more of their time where it matters most. And that's with our clients. And then it ultimately allows us to lower our costs. So our price point is, is lower than a traditional model. So we can work with those clients with quote unquote, I'll say smaller accounts, but lower account balances that still have complexity and financial life needs that we can serve. And Sorry, um, Steve, if you don't mind, I just wanted no, to add for a little clarification. You talked about iterative and agile. I thought it was a really interesting concept. Can you can you maybe expand on that? Because it's, it sounds like something that uh, irrespective of model might be uh, an interesting way to think about planning. Yeah, yeah. well, thank you for asking to clarify because that, that was the that's probably the the only like two words I'll ever use that are around technology because I'm I'm a financial planner at heart and not a technologist as I think using the word technologist probably tells you. Um, you know when we when we started this company and since we're a fintech firm I'd never been involved in developing technology or building it or designing things around it. Two of our co-founders were software developers or engineers, and they introduced this idea called agile development to me, and it's a way of building or, or developing technology. I'm probably saying that the wrong way, but I think people will get it. Yeah. No, that's what it is. Yeah. Well, yeah, and the way you break it down is you have these two-week sprints. So it's not like, hey, let's go build this massive platform, and three years from now we're going to find out if it works. The real premise of it is like sometimes we like we don't know it's going to work. So let's why don't we break it in these two like these two-week sprints, agile iterative development processes where we say, look, we have a we have a story or a premise or an idea, and what we're going to do is we're going to rapidly iterate on it and build it out over time. And so every two weeks you're saying, hey, here are the three things we want to accomplish. Let's go Let's go build a plan for that. Let's build it and let's see if it works, right? At the end of the two weeks, you get back together and say, how did we do, right? Did we do a good job? Do we have to tweak it? Okay, and if you did a good job, what's next? And so if you think about it from a financial planning perspective, what you can say is, you know, most of our clients, we start with goals and we start with cash flow. And so we'll say, look, in the next two weeks, we'll have a meeting and let's really understand your cash flow and find because that, that's the lifeblood of a financial plan. If you have available resources via cash flow, and so we'll tackle cash flow. And then we'll determine what the next goal is. Is it is it debt management, paying down student loans or credit cards, whatever it is, or maybe it's looking at college savings or retirement. And so we have this really agile iterative development process for financial planning that our clients love because it's not, hey, here's a 100 page financial plan and you know go to work. And it's, it's been a really great thing for us as a firm and a really great thing for our clients. And I'd, I'd like to dig into a little bit of that as well it, um, from a, a different perspective. You know, one of the things that, that you, that you uh, mentioned, which I think is really interesting, is using technology to lower costs. I think many advisors look at technology as a cost and something that, mm-hmm. you know, that they... That, you know, that they need to do to run better, but they don't necessarily see it as a way of, of, of lowering the cost and, and, you know, widening the margin. And so can you, um, I think you've, 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 you've talked about that from a, you've sort of glanced off that in a couple of, of areas, but could you expound on that a little bit too, about how technology, how you can utilize technology to, to, lo- to lower costs overall? Yes. I, I think the, the biggest mistake, and, and I'll pick on myself first, because right? I don't want to go out there and say, here's, here's the mistake you're making, advisors. Here's a mistake that I made in my career before Facet. Right? And what, what happened is I started from the wrong point with technology. The, I, I call it sort of playing the technology whack-a-mole game. 
And what happens is most advisors sort of go out and they, and they, they well, and I'll say what we did is we put together like six or eight pieces of technology. They didn't work together. And we're thinking, holy cow, like this didn't do anything for our process. But you know, we kind of need it, right? We need a portfolio reporting system. We need a CRM. We need sort of online access. We need, you know, a vault, digital vault, all these things. And so the way we thought about it is, well, let's really just, first of all, understand like what our product is. What are, what are we offering? Then what is our, then what is our process? How are we going to deliver that? Like, what are the things we want to achieve, right? We took a cost up model and said, what's the traditional advisor approach? How do we break it down into its components and saying, okay, let's build from the cost up standpoint. And then we said, okay, now that we understand what this is, how do we build technology around that? that what, right? That product and that process. And that really changed the game in terms of how you think about it. Most advisors, what they do is they go, okay, well, there's a couple things that we do. And I know I need some technology. And again, the technology whack-a-mole, right? So I have a problem with my investment reporting. So I go find FinTech that does investment reporting. And then we have this, uh, I think somebody, uh, I forget the the individual that was on your podcast a while back. Instead of a, instead of a tech stack, it becomes a tech pile. Right. Right. And then all of a sudden, technology is actually not used to increase efficiency or productivity. It's actually hindering your process because it's not built to support everything that you do, right? Your unique value proposition, that unique experience that you're delivering to your clients to drive real engagement. Uh, it's just a different way of thinking about utilizing technology. Interesting. So let's talk more about the client experience. So you, um, you, you're leveraging technology that way to, to lower the internal costs. Um, and, and let's, let's talk a little bit about, about what kind of an experience you offer clients, you know, given, given, you know, some of the decisions that you've made about meeting virtually and, sure. and leveraging technology that way. And so how, how would you contrast your approach to things versus how a traditional wealth management firm might approach servicing clients? Yeah. And so it, it, it's a, it's a great point, Stephen. And I should clarify that you know, I would say 80% of what we're building now is really around the financial planner experience, right? Because that's that's where you, when you say a traditional advisor spends 15 to 20% of, of their time with clients, what we're trying to do is say, how do you how do you remove all of the things, the meeting prep, the wrap up, the research? How do you codify that in technology so that our planners can sport, spend more time where it matters most? And that's with our clients. So number one, I think that the key to our client experience is that human one-on-one relationship. If you, if you look at the landscape, you have high net worth advisors, um, typically million plus portfolios, giving that very high touch service. On the other end, you have digital solutions, right? Robo advisors. And there's a gap in the middle. We'll call it the, the mass affluent marketplace. I, I don't like the word or the, the phrase mass affluent, but advisors will understand that. And so number one, the key is that, that human personal relationship working with a dedicated CFP professional. Then from there, if we go back to this agile, iterative financial planning experience, everything we build from the client side you don't log in and have a like a, a, a 30 page questionnaire that you have to complete, upload, you know, 50 documents. What we build is what we call our best next step. So our technology is designed around capturing the, the sort of just in time data to inform the financial planning process to make it easier, more seamless and a better overall experience for our clients. And then focusing on the best next step they can take to improve their financial lives and ultimately empower them to achieve their goals. And, and sorry, did you have another question on that, uh, Steve? Because I was going to pivot a little into marketing. Yeah, well, yeah. I, when, when, when your planners are engaging with the clients and they're, and they're going through that process, to what extent do you, do you ask clients to, to load information into your system or do they up, upload documents a little bit at a time for the CFP to work with or put into the system or 
to what extent do you uh, do you ask the client to do some of that stuff to, to get it into the system? Yeah, it, it's it's always a, a little bit of both. I mean, there there is still a, a requirement to upload documents, and there's still an ask on clients sometimes to enter information. You know, we have the the, the typical um, data aggregation systems that scrapes that. We have we built our own sort of cash flow tool that our clients can use. Uh, we do require clients to or ask them to upload documents as we go through the process. Um, but again, we, we break it into sort of more actionable and achievable chunks, right? So it's this agile development process of, of a financial plan that is always changing. And so instead of, again, if you're saying, hey, you know, Steve, I need you to upload your tax returns, your pay stubs, your estate planning documents, things that feel a bit overwhelming, we'll say, you know, we're gonna, we want to start first with, you mentioned that you're, you're struggling with cash flow or maybe some debt. We're going to focus on this. So go into the to our to our platform we have a financial life dashboard for our client that tracks their financial wellness not just their assets or investable uh, portfolio and say link your accounts we'll get a cash flow summary we'll understand your debt and let's tackle that first and maybe the next meeting is if they're having issues with uh, they got a big tax refund which is which is now coming due right um we can then say upload a tax return let's take a look at that see if you have to withhold or adjust your withholdings so if, if that makes sense it's just an iterative approach to how we do it but our system then takes all of that data and can actually provide recommendations to our financial planner in terms of what is that best next step for our client? What are some recommendations that it can make? And then we get to deliver that as CFPs uh, back to our clients along the, the sort of client experience. Um, it, yeah, really interesting stuff. Um, I'd, I'd love if I, I could to change gears a little and talk about uh, attracting clients to the business as you know we've talked to, about the experience and in particular would love to uh, you know think about this in terms of the ways that all of our listeners irrespective of model could really um, gain some insights in how best to grow the business can you tell us a little bit about facet wealth marketing plan you know the different channels that you're using and where you see the most success Sure, absolutely. I think, uh, Julie, there, there's some things that are unique to us as a as a firm that may may not translate directly to a financial advisory practice, but we can tie it back in. So th there's essentially three channels that we have for client acquisition. The first is, you know, we partner with financial advisors and RAs across the country uh, to what we say responsibly transition, as you mentioned earlier, Julie, the, the smaller accounts, right? The accounts that that are difficult to serve profitably for your firm, but as advisors, we care about our clients. So we wanna make sure that they're in good hands. Um, we can help advisors in that case, build healthier, more profitable you know, businesses. I think that the two things advisors are always looking for uh, is more time in their day and growth. And a lot of times you think about that, maybe some of those clients who aren't fitting your ideal client profile and profitable, that's one area of growth is we, we transition those clients to, to facet. We can talk more on that model if, if you're interested. Uh, the second thing is uh, direct to consumer. Um, we provide a lot of content. We create a lot of internal sort of videos and webinars. Uh, we do lead generation. I think there's a lot of, if you look at Smart Asset, that's a company a lot of people are aware of. Um, we do a, some lead gen for that, specifically in our target market, the mass affluent households in this country, really defining what I'll say as a niche. I like the word community, right? Define your cause, find your community. Um, that's a great way of growth for us because there's not a lot of individuals competing in that I'll say sub $500,000 space that can build a very profitable uh, business and still provide like that really amazing high quality client experience. And the final piece there, which is really exciting for us is we have an employee benefit offering for financial wellness. So we go and work with larger organizations to provide financial education, financial coaching, which are one-on-one -on -one sessions with a CFP directly to employees as an employee benefit of the business. And then 
if the employees say, hey, this is really amazing, they want to sign up for financial planning, they can then you know, opt in to work with one of our dedicated CFP professionals ongoing as a, as a more traditional client, if you will, uh, facet. So if we tackle those those latter two in particular, the uh, you said you've got, a, sounds like a really robust content strategy. Uh, what do you find mm-hmm. is working these days? And whether that is the, the focus and, and theme or topic or whether it's a, a video versus, uh, you know, articles, what, what are you seeing? Yeah, so what, what I'll try and do here, Julie, is tie it to, to the audience and, and financial advisors in terms of like what, what is relevant. I think the first thing is, you know, look, financial advisors at, at the core are entrepreneurs. And if you think about what an entrepreneur is, I, I define it pretty simply. It's sort of, you know, defining a problem that exists in a marketplace or for people, providing a solution that solves that challenge and adds value. And then you, you ultimately get sort of get paid for it. Um, so we, you know, our, our content strategy is really about understanding our consumers. So we, every time a client comes on board, I mean, I, I look at this daily, I track the, the data for all of our clients. I know the average age, I know the income, I know who's coming on board, are the trends that are changing, but we know who our clients are and that informs our content strategy. So one thing we do know is that we have a, a lot of growth, which is really exciting within the age group are the ages of 25 to 40, right? These are young professionals or early sort of you know, mid-career families. And so we go, what content is going to make sense to them? And let's go develop it because it's relevant and it's meaningful. And they're going to go, aha, I want to listen to that. And so my, my carryover for financial advisors is you know, really identifying who your, who your client is. And this goes back to understanding your ideal client profile. What is your unique value proposition? Like ask yourself one question. What one problem do I solve? What one challenge do I solve for my clients? Really understand what that is. And then creating content around that specifically so that it becomes relevant. Again, find your cause, find your community, and then provide really meaningful content to them. And for us, because we track this data internally, we know who's really saying, gosh, I I really want, I want to pay for financial planning. I don't have a ton of money yet, but I know I need it. I want to build that foundation and grow wealth. Oh, hey, there's a company with a flat fee. And so we're telling stories for that community and advisors, I think, can be much tighter around the kind of content they are creating for ultimately the people that they want to serve. And and then how are those people finding that content? How are you getting that content in front of people so that they start following you and consuming it? So I'm not the expert on that. We have a head of marketing here, Steve, just just full disclosure. Because okay. I'm sort of the the one of the heads of creating that content. I work with our, our CFPs. Uh, we have a, a really great media and PR company that helps us get out there and uh, you know do interviews and you know the, be quoted in Wall Street Journal and and sort of Fortune and Fast Company, some really amazing places. We put some content out there. We have some really great distribution partners. We were just named uh, Nerd Wallet's uh, 2020. Uh, I think it was online financial planning firm of the year. Uh, we do a lot of sort of co-content creation with NerdWallet. Uh, we have some other platforms as well where we are constantly producing it on other people's platforms. And I think the the thing for us right now is leveraging other well-known, reputable platforms where people are already going, right? You have hundreds of thousands, not millions of unique viewers going to those sites every single month looking for content. And we're using their platforms to sort of magnify the voice of Facet. Right. It's it's much harder to create your own platform. It takes more time. So we went out and said, what are the platforms where people are already going? And then what's our unique story on that platform that will drive people to facet? 
Well, I think that's a that's a really important um, that's a really great message to send out there because, of course, you know, I, I'm 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 a big fan of Julie. I believe is a big fan of content marketing, and and but the question is, how do you how how do people find it? And and I think the really the good insight here is that you know you find other people who have big platforms and figure out a way to leverage an affiliation or some kind of a relationship there, so that you know you can get your name in an already existing large platform. I think that's that's a that's a that's a really good point. Right. And, and then and then eventually, right, people then start knowing your voice and your platform and then you can build your own. Right, right. And it's not to say you can't build it from day one, but leveraging existing voices to magnify yours is a really great way to start. Uh, and then over time, you build your own. And maybe after I'm, I'm making up a time frame, five or 10 years, you have a really amazing platform because it doesn't happen overnight to amplify your own voice and your own medium, your own way. Um, and it's it's been very successful for us. And, and I think I think financial advisors could really benefit from that. And you also mentioned the employee benefit offering. And can you tell us a little bit about how, you know, how that comes about, how you make the offer? Yeah, absolutely. So the interesting thing here is if you go back, Julie, and you look at just industry trends and research, the number one stressor in workplaces is, is money, it's finances. And so we, you know, as entrepreneurs, we said, well, what are the biggest challenges out there? And then how do we solve them? And so we said, okay, we know that that wellness is now a big topic for employers. They want to take great care of your people because if you do that, your people can be your greatest asset. And so we saw, okay, there's a trend of, of wellness overall. The number one stressor is finance. Well, why don't we put the two together, financial wellness? And so in, in sort of iterative format, right, this agile thing, we started reaching out to companies and people we knew and said, hey, if first of all, does this make sense? And the answer was, of course it does. We believe in that. I said, well, what if we could offer this kind of solution? And it actually took us, I'd say only a month or two to really figure out the, the offering, but we didn't know the answer at first. And so we talked to business owners and said, what's your problem? They said, well, there is a financial stress issue. And we said, okay, here's what we think we can do to solve it. We eventually worked with them to figure out a really amazing offering that provides online sort of do-it-yourself education portals combined with one-on-one -on -one coaching with a CFP via video conference um, that employers pay for with the ability then sort of if you want to move on to ongoing longer term relationship with a dedicated CFP, you can do it. So it was a really iterative way of doing it. And the other way to think about it too, is it really scales access to a marketplace. So instead of going, you know, I'll say hand-to-hand -hand combat cave to cave and, and trying to find one client at a time, we can go into an employer and they say, here's 200, 500, 1,000 employees that we want you sort of marketing to via this financial wellness platform. Um, and that's been a, it's been a big win for us. <laughs> cave, cave to cave. There's an image. That's, <laughs> that's, that's very interesting spin on that. So of course we're, we're a, uh, we're a, a, a podcast all about referrals. What, what role does, does referral play in your business development strategy? So the exciting thing is, and, and this is, this is oddly enough, something we didn't do early enough when we get referrals, you know, I'd say 15 to 20% of our clients are referring. I don't know the numbers, but but they are referring. We, we do NPS scores and net promoter scores um, to understand the sentiment of our clients. Um, we have not had a, historically did not have a formal program around it. We are now going through the process of having a formal referral program for our clients. And and the way the way we think about it is, and, and you know, Steve and Julie, I love your input on this too, because this is what you do all day long. The whole idea, and this is actually, uh, I'll, I'll share a story first from my, my previous company, where we actually, we were thinking about this, how do we drive more referrals? So we sent a survey out to our clients and said, 
Um, we'd love to know what you think we do for you, right? The, the, the amazing thing we got back is 80% of our clients couldn't clearly articulate what we do for them. And so if you think about it, if you want to like create your own brand ambassadors or, or advocates or evangelists, whatever you want to call them, and they can't actually tell the world what you do, it's going to be very difficult to yeah. refer people. So, you know, we look at it as number one, let's make sure we clearly help our clients understand what it is that we do, find the right points for, I'll say, introductions, not referrals. And I think it, it's, uh, Steve, you, you said don't ask for referrals. We think of it as looking for introductions to people that could benefit from the amazing experience that they've experienced already, and then they can make introductions seamlessly to us. So we are we are building that out currently and incredibly excited because we have thousands of clients in all 50 states, um, and we believe that we're delivering a, a different, unique service model, and, and we're excited to see where that referral program goes. Well, I, I want to make sure that, that everybody listening hears that, and, and you know, because you, you put your finger on, on a problem that, that that many, if not most, advisors have, which is their their clients cannot articulate what the what the main value is. So I, I think that was a very smart move, and I, I, I I'm going to you know you you who are listening, <laughs> do what Brent did. Ask your clients you know what how they describe what you do because you will learn really important things. And and if and if you find that there's any 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 uh, fuzziness about about that, then that's going to be one of the best ways of increasing referrals is to help clarify that. So, so thank you for mentioning that. That's, that's really, that's really brilliant. Cause I want to yeah. just Julie on your end. I know, I know you're all about client engagement. The funny thing is when we were talking about our client experience, I went to our team and said, I said, can we just forget about satisfaction for a minute? Can we talk about engagement? And my team, my team thought I was crazy. They're going, and they're going, what do you mean? I go, well, well, here's the thing. I know this from my previous company. My client might be satisf satisfied with me. Go, eh, okay, well, I met with Brent today. That was great. Um, but if they're not engaged, right? Yeah. If they're not like, if they're not coming back and calling you or interacting or going to your website or, or checking on their plan in, a, in an iterative way, you're really missing out on an opportunity, mm -hmm. right? So I said, let's drive more engagement from our clients. Get them coming back to us. Get them coming back looking for that, that relevant advice that we're generating then all of a sudden you have an engaged client. And if they're engaged, they're thinking about you. You're becoming part of their life. And then they get to share that story with somebody else because it changes the way they experience financial planning. It's more about life planning than it is just about finance. And then they become an advocate and evangelist and they will spread the word for you, which ultimately benefits you. And I believe that comes through engagement first. And yes, you have to satisfy them, right, Julie? But engagement first if they're engaged yeah. they're engaged because they love what they're getting from you and that will go very far yeah yeah and i mean satisfaction is ultimately a backward looking not not as a metric but it uh, looking in a rear view mirror kind of uh, a measure mm -hmm. of how you've done and, and engagement is far more active and i think that's kind of uh, there's so much data that we're seeing increasingly about this uh, this role of being actively engaged with clients that changes the picture. In fact, I was going to also mention just from a, uh, the data geeks perspective, um, you, you were talking about defining your value or being able to articulate your value. And, and we, we see evidence in our investor research that uh, when clients say that they can articulate the value their advisor provides, it's actually quite strongly correlated with a deeper engagement and even higher confidence. Uh, so, so there's a really there's a quantitative connection there, not just qualitative. Absolutely, I couldn't yep. agree more. Um, 
Well, there's um, there's a whole lot of other things that we'd love to talk about, but we are we are limited in time. I, I, one other thing I would like to touch on, just and we we're going to need, unfortunately, to do this just briefly. But you know, one of the things sure. that you you put out there on your website, you you put out there, you know, when when you all speak in public, and that is that you know you partner with other advisors, um, essentially to you know to it to to service the uh the smaller clients in their portfolio mm-hmm. that, that um you know where they you know that may be taking a lot of their time so so um so so what what actually are you putting out there and 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 why would an advisor uh, want to partner with another financial planning firm like yours well great question because that's sort of the, the that's what we get in the, in the marketplace and, and to keep it brief so you know by all means if if, if anyone wants to talk after this they can reach out to me the, the bottom line is this, if you look at research in terms of the, the biggest challenges or opportunities that advisors face, they always say, well, I want to grow, right? Growth is number one, but actually that it sort of switches number one and number two with time, like leverage and capacity, really time. And if you look at it, you know, it's 80-20 rule, right? 20% of your clients are generating 80% of your revenue. And so it's one of those things where we go out there and say, hey, what if we can help you actually create, the, like give you back time and capacity in your business to focus on your ideal client? right, to really deliver value. And this goes back to having a, a unique value proposition, a, a voice that you can share that other people can sing from the mountaintops to drive more referrals to you, right? And oh, by the way, I know you care about these clients, but there's a firm that exists now that was built for them, right? And it can increase your profitability, the health, sustainability, give you time back in your day, allow you to grow, right? These are all things that advisors go, holy cow, that makes a ton of sense. Right. So we're here as a what, what I'll say is a responsible transition because we're going to care for the clients. We're still going to get a dedicated CFP professional, high quality financial planning, all of those things. And we are also I always say we are better together because we're going to give the client uh, potentially a better experience. We're going to help the financial advisor sort of find their groove and get into the place where they can start driving better engagement, satisfaction, referrals um, and improve the health and sustainability of their business. So to us, it's sort of a a virtuous circle that that really helps all, all parties involved yeah and but, and just yeah uh, just um you know i can imagine uh, a lot of advisors you know may have the objection that you know well they signed on with me and i made a promise to them and and you know they're going to feel abandoned they're going to feel like i'm 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 getting rid of them because they're not important enough or something like that how, how do you respond to those kinds of concerns on the part of advisors and and how do the what's your experience of how the how the clients actually um, experience that kind of a transition. Yeah. So that what I always say to advisors is number one, like I, first of all, I understand I've been an advisor myself. I've built those relationships and I care deeply about the clients that, that even, uh, we transition. I mean, even my previous firm is, is, you know, goes through that because it's really about the number one thing we care about is making sure that the client's getting the best solution, right? When we talk to those advisors, any advisor will tell you, it's like, well, sometimes I really struggle, um, to find time. Right. I'm not spending as much time with my, you know, if you do the ABC traditional segmentation with my C clients compared to my A's. And so, you know, other advisors, see clients become our A's. They get the, the TLC, the advice, the love that, that they really got into this for. And so we're here to give them the time, the love, the financial planning love, if you will, that they really deserve. And so advisors start to feel, OK, I get it. This is the best thing for the client. Um, and ultimately, what we do is we start small with advisors like, hey, let's transition a few clients. You'll understand how the conversation goes. And then we want to share the feedback with you from the client. And we've had clients who actually, with uh, unbeknownst to us, emailed their previous advisor and said, I just want to thank you for introducing me to Facet Wealth. They've been fantastic. 
And this, this really wasn't my best interest and I've had an amazing experience. And as soon as we show an advisor that, which that's the first hump you have to get over, they start to go, you know what, that does make sense because I deliver a really amazing experience to the right kind of families. And let's make sure that every single individual or family out there is getting that unique, valuable, relevant experience that they deserve. That's, that's a, a great way to close that off. And, and Brent, just uh, for our listeners, if they want to connect with you or learn more about what you're doing, what's the best way to connect? Yeah, so you can find us just on our website, which is just www.facetwealth.com. Uh, there is actually an advisor page there, which will put you in touch with our team. Or, or frankly, because I'm a financial advisor and I love talking to other advisors that are helping families, uh, you can email me directly. It's just brent at facetwealth.com. And I'll, I'll say it's Brent with an N, B-R-E-N-T, because uh, I've had clients for 15 years that still call me Brett. So I want to be clear on what that actual email address is. I'm not sure where Brett at facetwealth.com would go. So make sure there's an N in there when you shoot, when you shoot me an email. Well, well, that's great. Uh, yeah, Brent, thanks. Thanks for joining us here. It's a lot of really good information here. A lot of a lot of great tips. And we really appreciate your um, your joining us and sharing that with us. Well, it's it's my pleasure. I, again, I, I, I love the work that the two of you do in terms of helping advisors here. And, I'm, and I hope this is valuable to the advisory community. Uh, so we, we can all go out there and change lives through, uh, through this amazing thing we call financial planning. Hi, it's Julie again. It was great to have you with us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really does help. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. Thanks so much for joining us.